Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Welcome to the Meet the Mancunian podcast season four. I'm Deepa Thomas-Sutcliffe, your friendly host. On the street and nooks of Manchester, my inspiring Mancunian guests tackle their causes with their grit and passion. They are leaders, worker bees and community hosts and they share their stories to inspire you all through the season. Relax, grab a brew and listen in to the Meet the Mancunian on Apple, Google, Spotify or any of your favorite podcasting platforms. You can also check out all the episodes on my new website www.meetthemancunian.co.uk passionate about local history? We hear from Dr. Stephen Evans, Quidditchshaw History Group, in this episode. I'm delighted to introduce my guest, Stephen Evans, Chair, Quidditchshaw History Group. Thank you so much, Stephen, for joining me today. Looking forward to hearing all about your activities in the local community. Oh, thank you for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure. And of course, you're also going to be talking to us about the Now Forever Heritage Group, where you're also involved in, in the community. So let's start with how did you find your passion for local history? Well, I think I've, ever since I was a child, I've been fascinated with history. And I think you start off with a very broad canvas, and particularly um, in my day. I know I sound old, but I remember that you were always introduced to history on a big canvas. So you would be studying perhaps ancient civilizations, Roman Empire, um, Egyptian Empire, then the Vikings. And it was always the, the great and the good and the, 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 the big stories. And then later on, which was you know, schools have really changed on this and it's really important that they have changed their um, their approach to the teaching of history, that most schools now will focus on what's around them and their local history, which was never, it was never there for us when we, you know, when you, when you're growing up. So that came with time for me. So my interest in history, my passion in history was always there. But I would say over the last 15 years, I've gained a healthy respect for local history and the social history and the political history of our own communities and how important it is to learn about local history. And I think the schools have been ahead of us on this. Uh, They're doing a great job with the teachers um, creating projects aimed at their environment and what's going on in the past and the present. I think it gives a a child a really good grounding of where they are, why they're there, where they're coming from to help them to plan where they're going to as well. So um, that's that's where my my interest has come from a, a big interest on the big canvas to the very micro um, focus on on historical aspects in my community. So that was really interesting. And thank you so much for talking about how you kind of took that, you know, the, the passion for the, the great and the good, as you called it, and brought it down to local history and also the shout out to schools, which are really 
nurturing that and that is so interesting because it wasn't there when i was in school we you know uh, back in india we were learning about history long gone past i've always been passionate about roman and egyptian and you know ottoman empire and i've done a lot of my travels for historical places so i love being in the uk because there's so much history and i always say that uk does history with so much class and style um, yes yes yeah and i think with that it's really interesting because there's so much history here that it can often be overlooked and undervalued because there's so much of it. I, you know, if you travel to some co countries, particularly the United States, where they kind of place a plaque on for anything, like George Washington tied his horse to this tree. And I think because being a recent, a, you know, a relatively young country, yeah, in terms of like a, polit a political uh, entity, that there's a very, there's, you know, history's, has been valued to a you know to a greater extent, a because it's such a new country in terms of a political entity. Of course, there's been people who have populated it for thousands of years before, but also it's a way of bonding, isn't it, and creating a shared narrative uh, and a shared chronology is part of nation building, and I think we see that a lot more in in new you know new countries or relatively new countries um and you know mm. we we are blessed with so much history in this country and you know even when you see the bigger picture for example you know mesopotamia phoenicia where you think there were connections with our country in the terms of like traders for tin uh for gold but also, you know, we were an outpost of the Roman Empire as well for 400 years. So we fit in to, to those larger narratives too. That is, that is really interesting. And tell us about how you got involved with the Withenshaw History Group. And you're, you were talking about Northenden, for example, being mentioned in the Doomsday Book. And that's so interesting as well. And because I have listeners from 40 countries, please do explain what the Doomsday Book is. Sure. So shall I start with my involvement in the history group? Of course. Okay, so it started with a haircut. I was having my haircut <laughs> in uh, a local <laughs> Northern Barbers. And there was a chap there and uh, he was having his haircut too. And he was talking about how Withenshaw was once up to 1931 part of North Cheshire. And what he had to say was really, really interesting. And of course, you know, being passionate about history, my ears pricked up because it's not the usual talking about football, <laughs> you know, <laughs> conversations or, you know, makes of car uh, that you, you, you'd expect at the, uh, the local barbers. So, I was listening to him and I then I, I began just chipping in, you know, and, and, and discussing it with him. And and he said, uh, a lovely man, his name's Eric, Eric Booth, who's become a close friend of mine. And Eric told me, well, you know, if you're interested in, in the local history and what's gone on in, in Withenshaw, you should come along to the Withenshaw History Group. And up to that moment, I'd never even heard of it, never heard of the Withenshaw History Group. He said, we meet at the Forum Library on a Monday evening. Just come along and um, you'll find like-minded people. And there's also lots of documentation uh, and archive material relating to, to Withenshaw. Um, so I took him up on the invitation and I went the following week and um, I've stayed. You know, I've just really enjoyed it met lots of lovely people in the group uh, equally passionate about the history but very community facing you know they have that passion and like eric wanting to share that uh, that infectious it's so infectious that they want to share it with people and i think one of the remits and you know i became chair 
about two years after that. And it's been part of our remit to ensure that people who are moving, you know, new to the area get opportunities to find out about the, the background to the area they've moved in. So they, uh, they've moved into, so they get a place, you know, they get a sense of uh, context, uh, a feeling of belonging. That is actually, sorry to come in there, but uh, I should mention, I came to the Withenshaw Forum uh, to come to the Simons exhibition with my parents over the summer and was wonderful to read about, you know, how Withenshaw was formed and how that garden city came out of the, almost the slums of the shanty towns of uh, Manchester during the industrial period. So uh, I assume your team or your group maybe had was involved in that. The, 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 the exhibition reg- relating to um, Lord and Lady Simon, Ernest and uh, Sheena, Sheena Simon, was, 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 was the result of fantastic work by other people um, and quite uh, who, you know, deservedly um, needed that big space and a, a, pro, a, a protracted uh, exhibition time for it. It was absolutely um, fascinating. And the, ar- the way they'd used the archive materials and the way they displayed it in very accessible chunks. Uh, and you could see the amount of work and research uh, that had gone into it. Uh, it was it was fascinating. I kept I kept returning to it, you know, uh, over a period of a month, wow. just just to look at look at it. And uh, that is exactly what what you know what we needed. And it has a legacy benefit too, because of course that material will be available. Um, for for people in the area, so yeah, they, I I totally admire that exhibition. There's also nearby you may have seen the uh, World of Withenshaw Wall, with the mural where you start off with um, and uh, well, I think it starts no, off prehistoric, know. and then of course you know Anglo-Celtic and Anglo-Saxon etc. All the way up to the Industrial Revolution and beyond the um, creation of the estate and uh, that's that's been up uh, for for a long time as well and that's very yeah that you it's um last time i looked it was on the ground floor uh wow exhibition the world of withenshaw which charts its history and um if you have a scanner on your phone there's little parts of it that you can scan okay. on the wall and it comes up with more information uh and that was a it was a heritage lottery um, initiative, maybe six okay. years ago now, which again has that legacy benefit. So um, those those two were not ours, uh, our exhibition, but they fit in entirely with the the ethos and our outlook on being able to present people who are new to the area and people who've lived here all their lives, totally. Um, you know, totally don't, don't know the history of the area because it's never been presented. May have gone to school and didn't know what was on their doorstep, literally, uh, for them. Um, and I think it's a great way of community building, saying, please, you are now part of our narrative. You know, you're part of this big, never-ending story and you're going to weave your own thread into this rich tapestry, bringing your life experiences from other countries, from other areas of Britain into, into play, that you are going to be the history for future generations who will be coming back and wanting to know your story, wanting to know about your experience. So it's always a never-ending story that's built upon generation after generation and that's where we're doing our little bit, you know, that little small little bit for for that to add add our voice to the to the story. I really like that about history being a never ending story and how new and existing, uh, you know, uh, people in the area or local residents are actually contributing to future history. I mean, we don't think of that perspective sometimes, and that is really interesting. And uh, looking forward to learning more. 
as will as will this as will this podcast. <laughs> That's true. Somebody who wants to hear about meet the Mancunian or uh, Mancunians, uh, some centuries from now or some <laughs> years from now, we might look back and and learn about what's all the good work happening here. Let's actually ask you about you know, the history of the local area. Tell us a little bit about that. Not too long because it is a short podcast. But if you could summarize in a couple of minutes, take us through a speed tour of, uh, you know, Withenshaw and Northenden area, that would be lovely. Okay, so Withenshaw is a very old community. It was mentioned in the Doomsday book. So the Doomsday survey of 10... 86, which was conducted by William the Conqueror, the Norman, the very first Norman king who defeated the Anglo-Saxons, um, which was probably, you know, the big, big cultural invasion, um, 1066 and all that. Well, when, when he took the land, he ordered a giant audit, a survey of everything he owned, so he knew the value of everything then he could either distribute the this to other people, his followers, or also he could raise taxes on, on the richer areas as well. So, you know, with uh, Northenden is, is mentioned, and it's interesting that, you know, people will tell you that in the Doomsday book, it mentions that something like Northenden, a town like Northenden being worth 10 shillings, a lot of money in those days, 10 shillings before the Norman invasion, but since the Norman invasion had been devalued to two shillings because wow. of the destruction and the loss of population for, for various reasons around here. So this is very much a rural area consisting of three parishes, Northenden, Bagley and Northern Etchells. They're the three main areas and townships of this area which which carries on all the way up to the 20th century if you'd asked somebody a hundred years ago you had a time machine you came back in you asked someone you know you stepped out of that time machine you'd find you're in north cheshire we're not part of lancashire not until 1931 so until then everything is run by Bucklow Council, who meets in Nutsford, and the appointments of teachers, the appointment of the local constabulary, all comes from uh, Chester. And so we're very south looking. So what changes? Well, as you know, our neighbours across the river, Manchester, have experienced the total opposite. We're a rural community. But for the past 300 years, starting in the 1780s, industrialisation. It's become the powerhouse of UK. It's become the cradle of the Industrial Revolution. And it created fantastic profits, but it also created great misery um, and also uh, lots of uh, health, low morta uh, high mortality rates a miserable grey area unless you were one of the beneficiaries. The beneficiaries moved over to Northenden. The professional classes wanted to escape that horrible murkiness and uh, miasma created by um, industrial Manchester, but didn't want to move too far because they needed to commute into there. So Northenden was the perfect spot so that's when we start having Northenden starts to grow and from the 1850s onwards becomes a place where the big houses are being built, people commute. And there was even a 7.30 p.m. Uh, postal service created because people could come from the city, the professionals, and answer the mail and still then send off their postage. Later on, following the... First World War, Manchester needed to expand. It needed to clear its slum houses. There was a legal duty on the council to sort that out. So what you get is the council, the corporation, looking for a new place to move. 
for one reason or another, I know this is a short pod- podcast, but for one reason or another, they selected this area, which was, of course, modern Withenshaw, it would become. Of course, there was resistance by the che- by Cheshire. Cheshire didn't want them. They saw it as an invasion, an encroachment. In 1926, the Simons purchased most of Withenshaw Hall and the council purchased most of the Withenshaw estate. However, that wasn't enough to start building houses on because they wanted to start building houses and moving people from the slums into somewhere which was rural, clean air, healthy living. They still had the same obligations as anyone that owns a house in Cheshire. So if they wanted to build houses en masse, they wanted to build 50,000 houses. They had to go through Bucklow and Cheshire County Council, who were resistant. They were so resistant that in the end, from 50,000 houses, they were only able to build 146. So something had to be done at national level. They were the, it was the first example of Manchester creating a lobby group. It was the first example of lobbying in this country. And they lobbied for the purchase and the transfer of land from Cheshire into Lancashire, which, of course, the natural border had always been the River Mersey. Everything south of the Mersey, more or less, there were exceptions, was, was Cheshire land. Cheshire resisted, but in the end, the bill was passed. And from midnight, 1931, this North Cheshire, this part of, parcel of North Cheshire land became part of Lancashire and, and Manchester. And from then on, we get the building, the construction of the large estates, plus the industrial estates to employ people that were living down here. And that gradual expansion has become Withenshaw. Um, So now we have a population of roughly 85,000 people, which during the day, with the huge employers in the area, which is the hospital, Withenshaw Hospital, and of course the airport, rises to roughly 115,000 daily. Um, so, But the, the population, as in residents, is steadily increasing, and we're around the 85,000 uh, stage, which is larger than Chester, Winchester, lots of cities, and larger than towns like Bury. So you've got this district of Manchester, which is larger than most cities. It's a very, very interesting dynamic place uh, we we live, you know, we live in. So it's really, you know, to document that and to know that there's a fine tradition. Lots, I think, like again, going back to schools, if you ask lots of people in the area who moved here, and I know you've probably asked lots of people who've moved in their experience of leaving the slums of Hume. Um, not so much Hume, but like Ancoats, Beswick, those central Manchester places and moving into Manchester in, in the 1940s and onwards. And, you know, it was a sea change for them. You ask lots of people, later generations, they just think that Manchester, Withenshaw began in the 1950s and it's just a grey area. There was no history before that. And I think it was part of that education programme that the history group and other groups try to set the balance and set the record straight that there's much to um, to our history, there's much to our culture here, and also it builds a healthy respect for the area. And and to and you know to know, to know that it's more than just greyness. And to find out about the, the, the communities that lived here and what was it like to live here and to find parallels with the present generation and what previous generations have experienced. And sometimes it's very, very easy to look at the, the, the Tatton family in Withenshaw Hall and the Massey family onwards that lived in Bagley Hall and the Edgertons that were kind of connected here, and the great and the good. But also there's the social history. What would it be like to have been a tenant farmer here? 
or to have been a carpenter or to have been a woman in service here or a woman that had to work in the industrial um, laundry in Normandon and to chart these histories too and find those parallels. So I know friends of Bagley Hall, friends of Winchester Hall, they do a tremendous job in the, the high profile history uh, regarding those buildings and the families and the dynasties. But of course, it's also the charting of the, the smaller narratives, you know, these the, the lives of the ordinary as well, which again is a project in itself because you have to really go researching and scrambling about to find much more about these people. It's out there, but it does take time. And that's why I would urge people who want to join Withenshaw History Group to come along, become a volunteer. We've got lots of interesting resources. We've got a photographic archive as well. And um, to ha help us chart that social history. Um, even if it's at the moment being willing to um, speak and give a living history and talk about your experience, you know, to be interviewed, uh, recording for sound archives about what it was like to move from Withenshaw in there. And, you know, if you had a grandmother, a grandfather that lived here, but also to help us go through documents, you know, which are stretching down to the, you know, the 16th century, on, you know, and upwards to find out what it was like for ordinary people to live here. That's really fascinating, and thank you so much for sharing. Uh, and uh, or the shout out to listeners is that if they could come back, come forward, and either volunteer to be part of the Within Your History Group or to contribute a living history uh, to the archives, that would be great. Tell us about any challenges that you faced on this journey. Is it is there something you'd like to call out that you've been able to successfully? navigate and therefore uh, other listeners might get inspired by yeah i think uh, i think it's being very um, aware of time limitations and be realistic in the goals you set yourself i think that that's the first thing it's great to have ambitions and have goals but i think it's better to work on on focused projects that will have an impact so it's looking at the smaller projects which will have the bigger impact rather than this overreaching gigantic project which does sound great on paper and um, it, it but it requires lots of planning lots of resourcing it might you might not have that so it's best to start small and then grow gradually so you can achieve maybe the bigger, bigger picture, but the bigger project can also consist of smaller, tiny projects that build into the bigger project. So I would say tiny steps further first until you're able to, to reach the bigger goal. The, the second thing I think is, um, is organizing community support for initiatives. And I think it's really important that before you go ahead with a, a big idea, that you consult your community and find out if that's what they really want, if that's really their idea of what they want from it, or they may have better ideas, they may have a better project in mind. And I think it's so important to have grassroots support because with the best will in the world, if you go ahead with a project, where you haven't enlisted grassroots support and it's not what the people in that community want, it's not going to work. It's going to be limited. But if you go and have a conversation with the community, you know, what would you like here? Maybe history-wise, what aspects of history would you like to cover? What would you be willing to put your time in? If there are certain skills that we can teach or you could learn along the way as part of the project, what would those skills be? And going then with this and having a list of people that would come and help and support it and talking with other organisations in the area who could support what our grassroots community 
want, then go looking for funding, then go doing the planning. I think that's so important to do rather than come in top heavy and try and graft a project. Just because a project worked in North Manchester doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work in South Manchester because every community has its own dynamic and its own interests and its own needs. And I think that's and I think that's a universal application across the board worldwide. If you're always set if you're going to set a project together, make sure there's the, the demand at grassroots level. I really like that. And those are such actionable and practical tips that any community group outside of history as well could consider. So thank you for sharing those and thank you for talking about how you applied them. What impact would you say you made uh, as the Withenshaw History Group? And you can dimensionalize this any way you like. I think the impact is legacy. I think, you know, what 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 we try to get people interested to or signpost them to other history resources, uh, being welcoming, being there for people that may want to research about their family history or they may want to find out more about their background. We have lots of interest from what we call expats. You know, people are no longer in Withenshaw but are still interested in what's going on in Withenshaw and they send us information about the history of the area. They're, you know, very supportive but they may have a, a query or a question that they can't remember something from their childhood in Withenshaw and ask us to, you know, to, to help them with. So I think, you know, I've run guided walks around Northendon and I think it's just flying the flag for history and just saying it's, you know, it's really important that you, you we learn about our area and our community and to pass that on to people. I think the exhibitions that we've put on, so uh, we're presently looking at um, the, I think at the moment we're looking at transport through the ages in the area. We have looked at the different buildings that have disappeared uh, since 1931 in the area and did a, a project on that. So everything that we create then is archive material for the future. And I, 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 I again, it's just asking people to come along and thinking that there's the social aspect of joining an organisation and group as well. It's good for your well-being. It's good to socialise and to have a chat about history at the same time, meeting people from different backgrounds, different experiences and finding what we've all got in common. So I think that's a legacy benefit, it has a kind of well-being knock-on effect as well as a educational one see it as a, um, a giant hobby or an interest and knowing that there's people that share that and can contribute to the the cataloging and organization of the archives we're always short of people to come along and help us organize and bring your skills or you know as precious your time because i know pre time is a precious commodity for lots of people but to come along and um know that it's your history you know we're not just curators and guardians of it and building a wall around it it's there for you it's you know we're here to kind of say here it is it's your history come along and um help us because it's yours you know and be part be part of that journey together that is really powerful impact because like you said you know it is about that local history and kind of taking that the roots, exploring the roots of what where people come from, and uh, it, it sounds really interesting. Where can interested people reach out to you and learn more about Withenshaw History Group? Yeah, so uh, people can can come along to to the meetings and come to uh, the come to the first floor Withenshaw Forum Library, which is known as the Reference Library. There's a classroom, a large classroom inside there, and that's where the history group meet. At present, it's 6.15 to about quarter to eight in the evening uh, that they meet, and you'll have access to maps of the area, documents of the area, photographic um, images 
of the of the area as well, which are fascinating where you compare then and now uh, to see what's changed, but what hasn't changed. So that's a really good way to meet us. The day, the time may change uh, to afternoon meetings because, because of autumn and winter with the light uh, failing quite early in the day now. Um, but that's something uh, that we will uh, uh, announce. So just look out in the, uh, the library or on social media uh, for for any notification of a change in time yeah we don't we don't have a, a website but if you type in withenshaw history group twitter uh, on twitter or withenshaw history group on facebook you'll find us yeah i think i follow the facebook group and i love seeing the old pictures it's always very interesting i want to you did address a lot of good advice, but in case you want to add any more advice, what advice would you have for people looking to start a similar movement in another part of the world or another part of the UK? So they want to get involved with a local history group or they want to set up a local history group. What's What advice would you have? Yeah, I think just start with finding finding out what's out there in your area because you don't always want to reinvent the wheel and duplicate work that's already there. So see if there is an existing history group. If there isn't, I would say go down to your nearest library and there'll be people there that will, 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 will I'm sure, try to um, help you with that interest and just see if they, if you could start a group up that can meet in that library. Lots of libraries will give you facilities there um hopefully at no no cost if another i i say a library because you are nearest then to a history section you know which is then free free access to the books there but there's nothing to stop you perhaps meeting as a small group and building up in your you know it could be just meeting at home it could be meeting in a, a local building you know it could be um, a public building where you want to meet up it could be at a cafe could be over a coffee somewhere, a cup of tea. And I think it's just taking those steps, see if you can, I think most people do use social media, um, but also the old way as well, maybe print some leaflets out, see if there's interested people out there, fellow interest, you know, people that are interested in setting up a history group. Don't try and do it alone. It's very taxing, very time intensive and get a group of people, form a committee and um, set out what you want to do those first steps and it might just be accessing information in your area it might be trying to maybe work with a, a school that may have a history section and um, are looking for people to walk tell the children what it was like about life 20 30 years ago in their community they might want you to be a living history and go in and and just you know talk about history uh, to people so that might be one in a very general way because I know around the world it's going to differ when I say something like go in your local library there may be listeners out there are going to scoff at that and say well you know <laughs> my nearest library is 200 miles away so I would say then well you know perhaps you could start compiling an online library where perhaps Perhaps it could be something as simple as creating an archive of material that's local to you, scanning material, typing and or ta ta relating on a website your area uh, and its history. You might say, well, we don't even have access to the internet where I am, or it's sporadic. And I'd say one really important thing you could be doing then is if you have access to a recorder, a tape recorder, or you have access to a shorthand, you know, you can take notes, is to ask people in your community to relate their stories and to talk about the history of their area and their own living histories and start compiling your own archive for the future. I so there's plenty you can do at the resources at hand, you know, that you can be doing low tech, or high tech. I like it very much because you're covering a broad brush and hopefully this will 
listeners will listen, will relate to that. Uh, before I go to my signature question, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about anything coming up that uh, maybe you want to share. Uh, I am conscious there is, of course, the opening of the Friends of uh, the Withenshaw Hall uh, pretty soon, and but we did interview them on a separate podcast. So you you know you can just talk about things that are more focused on you. And if you yeah. want to talk about the Now Forever here Heritage, is another opportunity for you. Yeah, um, I run a community. I run two community interest groups um, companies. So they're not they're non profits, not for profits. One is relating to history and heritage. So the first one's called Now Forever Heritage CIC. So some of the projects we ran uh, has been the uh, highly successful commemoration of the First World War in Northenden, which was funded by the Heritage. Uh, lottery um, so that that ran for um, 18 months and uh, we were able to create uh, 12 portraits of people in the community men and women of the community of 1914 to 1918 and we held an exhibition at the mess as uh, the message is you know in Charleston and with presentations and school involvement all, all through that year, with school children taking living histories from older members of the community regarding the First and Second World War. So that's something we've achieved. Plus the guided walks have been done under that umbrella. And also the Peterloo celebrations were organised by, you know, parts of it. We, we, we helped in a big way organise the commemoration of Peterloo. Um, a couple of years back now uh, as now forever heritage uh, the other sister one which is together one cic does have connections with heritage and history but not to an extent we didn't want to kind of merge the the streams and confuse people but we do we do as a quick plug we do run the community cinema the block in northern Dune. but turning back to to history and heritage um we we do kind of give we do give presentations through there as well, and you'll you'll be able to find us again through Twitter and social media. And thank you for the, that opportunity. No, you're very welcome, and it's great to hear about all the opportunities in the area because as a new resident of Withenshaw and Manchester, I'm still learning, and I I'm always taking mental notes through my guests. Uh, you know, because as as I hear about what all the good things going on, I now move to the fav- my favorite part of the podcast, which is a signature question that I ask all my guests. And the first one is, can you describe Manchester in a word or a phrase? Dynamic. I like it. Which Mancunian are you most inspired by and why? Oh, Goodness me, that's such a hard question. There, and there are... I'm happy for you to pick one from uh, Living yeah. or Dead, so you can go for a historical Mancunian as well. Yeah, so, that's such a, such a difficult question um, because uh, we're, 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 there's such a, such a wealth of, of people. I'll, I'll go for um, Arthur Royal, who's He's not a household name, but what Arthur did, he lived in Manchester, he lived in Northenden. He was the bank manager of the local bank. But what he did was something incredible. What Arthur did, he was a magpie. He collected what 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 most of us would think of as rubbish. He collected tram tickets, empty cigarette packets, empty matchboxes. And people say, Arthur goodness me why are you collecting such dross and he created such a legacy of items now you know what we might call uh, ephemera um, but they are so vital now they are so important that we have concrete items and not just words in a, in a book so from the 1920s 
to the 1970s, he collected pamphlets, booklets. He was also instrumental in naming many of the roads and streets in Withenshaw as it was being built based on his local his, historical knowledge. He was a member of Northern Indian Civic Society. He bequeathed his, his huge collection to, um, to the society. It was catalogued by Manchester Metropolitan University and Withenshaw uh, History Group is currently curating it, awaiting a, a, a proper um, cataloguing and digitising of, of it. So people like Arthur Royal. Arthur Royal also created, he was a real community-facing man. He created the one of the creators of the local uh, of Northenden Amateur Dramatic Society, which is now Northenden Players. So a okay, man that promoted culture. And also he created the Rosemary Fund, which had two precepts. One, that no senior member of the community should be without fuel in winter. And secondly, that no child should go without a holiday. So he used to have Rosemary Fund raising events and the money was spent on those two purposes and importantly when the new estate was built because he was from northenden when the new estate was built the um the remit of the rosemary fund expanded for all the people in withenshaw as well so he was a bridge between the old and the new and welcomed like the new estate. It was very important that after the acrimony of the purchase and the acquisition of this land, that some of that, that acrimony, you know, and old old battles and fights were set aside and uh, everyone was future looking and Arthur Royal was instrumental in that. So yeah, hats off to Arthur Royal as, a, as, as my Mancunian. Unsung hero. <laughs> Robert, <laughs> this is really great to share, and thank you for sharing that. And it's, um, I, I do feel like I need to sign up for one of your walks and come to learn a little bit about local history. And, and like you said, it's not just about the famous people, it's about the people whose everyday heroes or unsung heroes, so I, I look forward to learning more. What's the most important life lesson you've learned? And this is one for you individually, uh, not for your, uh, not as a the chair in this case. Be a good listener. That it's an acquired skill and it's a really difficult skill. Instead of just bumping my gums all the time and talking, to step back and listen to the other person and give that person lots of space and time to express themselves and be very patient while you may wait while you're waiting for them to articulate a response, but be a very, very good listener. Thank you for sharing that. That is true. It's a very hard skill and obviously one I've, as a communications professional and now as a podcaster, I'm trying to continue to hone that, but it is hard because sometimes we listen to respond rather than listen to, uh, you know, really give that really thoughtful response after you've considered, you've given that person the space. Mm. So... I. I, I... I find it's it's something that as a maybe a, you know medical practitioners and people working in the mental health services um, acquire and really train up to to be as part of that therapeutic side to 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 be a really good to listen and to listen you know some people listen but don't hear yeah. but to listen and hear and I think it comes down to making the person feel comfortable with articulating their thoughts and not feel like they're under a time pressure to, you know, come up with that punchline. So that's really, really good. If you could be granted one superpower, what would it be? I think 
the superpower would be just the I'd say the the ability really to work to 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 have my work time kind of balanced by my non-work time and to find that happy medium far quicker than it took me to to realize to think that f to compensate for the amount of time to put in to to go to compensate with that for time with friends and family as well so my superpower would be like most superpowers and superheroes are there's always a compensation they always have their weak spot um, for mine to be covered that when i'm actively creating and working to actually have the power to realize that there's other priorities in life and to prior you know and there's people that that need your time as much and that's of course your friend your friends your family your children and um, that's my my superpower then to uh, to 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 action that thank you so much that is a hard one i know for any busy person but it, thank you for sharing that i i really like that one oh uh, I'm at the end of the podcast now, Stephen. So thank you so much for talking to me and my listeners. It's been fascinating. An absolute pleasure. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for, for having me on your podcast. Stephen, thank you so much for talking to me and my listeners. I really enjoyed learning about local history today. Dear listener, thank you so much for listening to the first episode of the Meet the Mancunian podcast season 4. I hope this episode and the podcast itself encourages you to follow your passion, inspired by the amazing Mancunian guests who feature here. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode or log on to www.meetthemancunian.co.uk to listen to all the episodes and learn more about my podcasting story. Next week on Tuesday 29th November 2022 the Meet the Mancunian talks to Natalie Rossiter about well-being and forest therapy. Please do leave me a review or a voice message on my website www.meetthemancunian.co.uk. It takes only a few minutes. Thank you.